So I just ask that you'd take your word and, uh, and speak to our hearts, Lord God. Help us to have open hearts. Lord, you're always speaking to us. The question is, have we opened ourselves to hear from you? And so I pray today, God, I know that you're going to speak. I pray that we would receive, Lord, whatever it is. And I thank you, God, for it. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let me read you the scripture here. It's in 1 James 1, 6, and 7. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can open to it. If not, you can just listen to me. Uh, It it says, but let him ask in faith. Okay, this is a person who needs wisdom from God. He said, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Have you ever felt like you're kind of tossed around life just kind of You're just tossed here, and then you're tossed over here. You're just driving crazy. You want to be stable, but you're tossed around, okay? That's how these waves are. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And it doesn't just apply to men. It applies to women, all of us. Unstable in all his ways. This term, double-minded, literally means two souls in the Greek. If you, if you break down the meaning of that word, it's two souls. It's having one personality over here and then having another personality over here. Have you ever seen somebody that's that way? And maybe you've seen that in yourself. You're, one day you're flying high, and the next day you're as low as you possibly can be. You've got two, it's, we call it split personalities, two personalities. It says, talking about this person, a double-minded man, a two-personality person, okay? They're so unstable, they can't even be the same person day in and day out. And then it ends with this, unstable in all his ways. And the Lord has been really dealing with me about this word stability, stability, all right? Um, Think about your reactions as I say these phrases, okay? Stable marriage, that produce anxiety or peace? <laughs> Whenever you hear of a stable marriage, you're like, ah, oh, I like hearing about stable marriages, all right? There's so much instability out there. It's nice to finally hear about a stable marriage. Listen to this. A stable friendship. Don't you like friends that are, they're there for you. They're not going to move. They're there. They're stable. How about this? A stable parent. <laughs> As a kid... I didn't, I didn't appreciate it nearly as much as I should have, but my parents were as stable as they come. And any time I got the least bit of inkling, which was few and far between, that there was any instability, I felt incredibly unstable. And I bet you can, I bet you can kind of identify with me, all right? Stable parent, stable. Now, as parents, let's look at our children. A stable child. That's a good feeling as well. I want stable kids. I don't want them unstable. I want them stable. All right, a stable job, a stable employee. I've managed people before, all right? And when I have a stable employee, I am really, really happy. When I have an unstable employee, I am really, really miserable, all right? And what about this? A stable Christian. (laughs) A stable, solid, rock-solid Christian you can always count on. That's, a, that's definitely a good thing. Well, let me tell you what. Stability attracts people. Stability attracts people. When you're stable, you'll find that people 
Boy, I hope this doesn't start doing this. Kyle, do you mind? Turn, it, turn off my dad's mic. Um, stability attracts people. Instability repels people. Did you hear that? If you're unstable, nobody's going to want to be around you. If you're a stable person, though, you will attract people. Let's look at this kind of in a big, big picture. The country of Syria has been unstable for a long time, for many years now. And what's happened in that instability, it's, it's thrown off thousands and thousands and thousands of refugees. When you're unstable, you repel people. People don't want to be around you. All right. What about a volcano that's described as unstable? Where, where do people go? They go away from the volcano because it's unstable. All right. What about atmospheric instability, a hurricane that's coming through or whatever? It, it, people run away from it. All right. Or an unstable company. I worked at a company once and I'm an accountant. Okay. All right. I was the controller. I was the guy that did all the, the finances. And we didn't have enough money. So you know what I got to do? I got to hold checks. We'd print out all these checks. And I, I had this, actually my, my assistant had his, his, his kind of uh, desk or whatever full of checks. And then I'd come in every day and we'd say, all right, we can let this check go. We can let that check go. And vendors are calling. I stayed at that job for about two years. I didn't last very long. It was too stressful. All right. That's an unstable situation, and I didn't last very long. I got out of there because <laughs> it made me feel uncomfortable, all right? We need stability. We need stability, folks. If you call yourself a Christian, you need stability, especially as a Christian. You need stability. I think of, and we've already kind of gone through this, but at a much smaller level, somebody that has mood swings, they're, they're unstable. And I've had mood swings, believe me. I'm not pointing at you and saying, oh, get rid of your mood swings, because I know what it feels like to be up one day and depressed the next day, all right? But you know what? God wants to help us get away from that. He wants to help us get past that so you can live a stable life. I remember this lady. In fact, she's one of my wife's and my heroes, Gwen Hodge. An amazing woman. She's her husband pastored forever. But you know what? She was so stable. Nothing would cause this lady's emotions to swing. She was all she wasn't like dull, but she was always joyful, but always constant. God wants you and me to be that way. And we can be that way. There's good news. We can be that way. All right? Uh, erratic, listen to this one. Erratic changes in purpose. What is erratic changes in purpose? Where I have one purpose one day, and all of a sudden, I'm on a totally different purpose, and then the next day, I'm on a different purpose, and I'm all across the map. That's not a good way to be. God wants us to be consistent in our purposes. I, I tell you of all my job experiences, work experiences, I had a, a boss that over the course of 10 weeks gave eight different purposes, like dramatically different purposes, and he got to the place where none of his staff would follow him anymore because he's always changing purpose, always changing purpose. God wants us to get a purpose and stick with it because that's how he, that's how he created us to be. Uh, we're, we're, uh, there was this girl, you, you know, Jezre, 14-year-old girl, really pretty girl, really smart, intelligent girl, really talented girl. And you know what? Last week she ran away for the second time, and we still don't know where she's at. She's, this is in Virginia Beach. Her and her parents moved, and she's having troubles up there. But she's, she's unstable 
As soon as her and her mom don't see eye to eye, she's out the door. That's a bad way to be. We need stability in our lives. We need stability in our jobs, in our marriages, in our problems. You know, every time we have a problem in church, we shouldn't be leaving church. (laughs) Be stable in church. Pick a church and stick with it, all right? No church is perfect. I bet you could pick this church apart in about 10 minutes, maybe less, all right? But guess what? You can pick any church apart in 10 minutes. (laughs) There is no church that's perfect. You need stability. You need to make up your mind what you're going to do and go with it. It's super important. Anybody that's constantly switching jobs, there's instability there and stable marriages, as we mentioned. But stability is highly prized of God. So let's go to the scriptures and let's see if what I'm telling you is true. All right, if you want to jot these down, Psalms 62.2. He is my rock and my salvation. What is a rock? Stable. It doesn't move. It's solid. Truly he, who is it? He, God. God is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. Listen to this. I will never be shaken. I will never be in unstable. Why? Because I got my feet, my spiritual feet, planted on the rock of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't shake, therefore I don't need to shake. But I need to be firmly planted on him. Then in Matthew 7, 24, you've you've probably heard this before, but uh, Jesus gives this parable. He says, he who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Where are you built at? What's your life built on? Is it built on the rock or is it built on something else? The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. It wasn't shaken, all right, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine doesn't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and the beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Someone who's unstable is a lot more likely to fall with a great crash than someone who's stable. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So if you're feeling shaky right now, stand on the rock and start being confident in your God. He will keep you strong. He'll keep you stable. Psalms 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of what? The slimy pit out of the mud, out of the mire, in other words, all that which was unstable, and he set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to to stand. God prizes stability, and I know we all do too. (laughs) We want stability. Why am I unstable sometimes? Because I'm trusting in things that are unstable. They shake, therefore I shake, all right? But if I stand on that which is firm, I can be firm myself. And that has a lot of connotations as well. I can be firm with people who are going in the wrong direction. Maybe my kids, all right? My, my words are going to carry weight because I'm firm and I'm, I, I'm standing on something that's firm and I'm firm myself. But let me tell you, there's four places we need to be stable in. Four places. Listen to this. The first one is work. Work. I work full time. Not here. I have a, just a regular Joe Blow job, and I love having a job where I can work at because that's where I learn the most, 
all right? And I, I've learned so much at work, but I need to be stable in my work. If I had a resume that had 50 different jobs, guess what? It becomes harder and harder and harder to get another job because I've been unstable, all right? Furthermore, I'm never going to reach a level of what we'd call preeminence. I'm never going to be the boss of anybody because I'm unstable at work. I need to prove stability before I can prove that I can lead someone. And in Genesis 49, verse 4, it says this. In the English Standard Version, it says, unstable as water. Now, there's nothing less stable than water, right? It's flowing all around. You can't put it in your hands, all right? There's this guy at work. In fact, I tell work stuff all the time, right? But this guy was reporting to me. I described him as trying to nail jello to a wall. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever met somebody like that? I can't nail this person down. They'll say I do it, and then they have an excuse to not do it. And you're like, come on, dude, let's get, you, let's get you squared away. This guy was like nailing jello on a wall. Water's even worse. Listen to this. Unstable is water, Genesis 49.4. You shall never have preeminence. Someone who's unstable, they wonder, why, why don't people ever follow me? Why does my family follow me? Why didn't this happen? Why did... Because I've never proven stability. God expects us to be stable. So we need to be stable at work. We need to be stable in our purpose. And I've already mentioned this. We need to be stable in our purpose. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, what? Stand firm. Let nothing move you. In other words, be strong in purpose. When you made up your mind, make up your mind and don't turn from it unless, of course, you're going in the wrong direction. Make up your mind and stick with it. Have strong purpose. Always give yourselves fully to the purpose of the work of the Lord. Now, I just added that word purpose there, but it's, it's meaningful. Add, excuse me, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Only you know and only God knows. Figure, excuse me, figure out what God's purpose is for your life and then go fulfill it. You say, Steve, I don't know what it is. Figure it out. Seek God until he tells you what it is. Don't get all mealy-minded and I can't do this. I don't know. God never shows me anything. You know what? You need to get down on your knees and stay on your knees until God speaks to you. And then you'll know the purpose of God. Get with it. Get a backbone. I love Sam Walton, what he did one day. All right? You know who Sam Walton is? He's the guy that started Walmart and Sam's. All right? This huge meeting, I think it was a conference for the Walmart employees. There's tons of people out there, and Sam Walton was going to be the keynote speaker. All right? So there, a much-awaited moment. Sam Walton gets up. He's already elderly at this point. He stands up behind the podium. He gets on the mic. He looks around quietly. It's kind of awkward silence. And he says, get a goal. And he walks off the stage. <laughs> I'm telling you, get a purpose in life. Get God's purpose in life. And don't quit until you fulfill that purpose. You know what? It's said of David in Acts. He fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. You need to do the same thing. Many, many people who've never are unknown by the world because they followed God's purpose, they changed the world. I could give you example after example after example. Get a purpose from God and fulfill it. 
You might say, well, I don't know what the purpose is. I've told you, you know, go find out. But you know what? If you have a job, fulfill your purpose at your workplace. I mean, that's an easy one. If you're married, be the best spouse that you possibly can be. That's a pretty significant purpose. All right, if you're a parent, you know, Tina and I in our 30s, so I'm, I'm up there. I feel like I'm up there, right? But in our 30s, that's when people's careers can really, you know, skyrocket. And I, I was an ambitious kind of person. I'd do anything, man, to get ahead. Not, well, not bad stuff, but I would work hard. I'd work smart. I'd do everything that I could to move ahead. But you know what? In my 30s, I had four obstacles to success, all right? Kyle, Sarah, Tara, and Cole, all four of my kids, obstacles to my success. I would have loved to put in the hours and do what I needed to do, and I did for the first six years of my marriage. But you know what? When Kyle came along, and he was one year old, and I started seeing him not want to come to me because I was working six, seven days a week, 18 hours a day sometimes, out of town all the time, and I saw him go to his uncle instead of me, when he was crying, I was like, this is not going to happen. <laughs> my purpose, I'm 30-ish now, my purpose is my kids, and I'm going to jump off this ship, and I'm going to get a lesser job because my family is important. It's my purpose. we got to do that. We've got to get our priorities straight. If we're a grandparent, you know what? You need to be the best grandparent of the world. Your grandparents, your kids need you. Your grandkids need you, and they need you close by. They need you to, to be accessible to them. So don't forget the common sense purposes that God gives you in the stage that you're in and fulfill those purposes. But here's the third one, and I've already been kind of down this path. In fact, we're on it right now as family. All right, We need a stability at work. We need stability and purpose, and we need stability in our families desperately need stability in our families. And I won't keep uh, hammering this or beating this drum, but let me mention this. In, in 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, provide what? Stability. That could be one thing. Anybody who does not provide stability to the relatives, especially of their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong language coming straight from the Bible. We better take care of those who are our own. How can we possibly be out there trying to take care of the world if we don't take care of our own families? It's the most important thing in the world. I don't know how many kids are embittered by people who don't take care of them, parents that don't give them the time of day, don't give them the attention that they need. We need to do that. Um, I have a, I won't tell you my relationship to this lady, but a family member. She's a family member. She's a little older than I am. And her mom got divorced at a very old age. Divorced her husband at a very old age. And this lady, who I know was in her 40s, she desperately needed stability in her parents. She's already 40. She's got kids of her own. You'd think, oh, she'll be all right. No, she still needed the stability of her elderly parents. But her mom went ahead and walked out on her dad. And it had a domino effect on this poor girl. And she ended up getting a divorce and having health problems all because of a lack of stability with her, her elderly parents. <laughs> I'm telling you, grandparents, you have play a huge part in providing stability to your extended family that's ever growing. But the fourth place that we need stability in is the kingdom of heaven. 
We need stability in the kingdom of heaven. Look at this. Uh, Mark, excuse me, Matthew 16, 18. It says, I tell you, Peter, this is Jesus talking to Peter, one of his 12 apostles. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said, I'm going to build something. I don't know how many of you guys are builders. I'm not, but you build something. Well, in some cases, we're all builders. We build stuff all the time. It just may not be a physical structure. So Jesus paints this picture. There's this rock, the foundation. I'm going to build my church on this. You're going to see more than the foundation in the coming years. There's going to be a structure on top of this, uh, on top of this rock. So I want to take, bear that in mind. I want you to go back to King Solomon's time. Our King Solomon was a son of David, the third king of Israel. And God laid on, Sol- actually on his father David's heart, to build a temple. And Solomon was going to be the one that actually completed the building of the temple. So if you look in 1 Kings, or you can jot this down, 1 Kings 5.15, Solomon had 70,000 carriers of stone. See, what they would do is they'd go into a quarry. There's a place in the, in the mountains there in, in the Holy Land where they would go cut out huge perfectly, they're called dressed stones, perfect dimensions, no, no uh, faults in the stone, and it took 70,000 carriers, 70,000 men, to bring these stones from the quarry where they were prepped and ready and laid on this foundation that was there in the, in the, in the temple site. And it took 80,000 stone cutters in the hills to cut these things out as well as 3,300 foremen. You talk about a massive project, huge project. They supervised the project that directed the workers as the king commanded. They removed from the quarry these large blocks of high-grade stone to provide the foundation of dressed stones for the temple. And if you jump down in 1 Kings 6-7, it says, At the temple site, Only the blocks that had been dressed from the quarry were used. There was not a hammer or a chisel or the sound of an iron tool heard at the temple site. It must have been amazing. Huge, huge dressed stones. Well, okay, so that's the physical picture. Now jump with me, if you will, just real quick to 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. It says, as you've come to him, Jesus, the living stone the foundation, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into the spiritual house. So as we see Solomon building a physical temple, Jesus is saying, my church, each of you are a stone that I'm using to build up my temple. Now, can you imagine God building this beautiful temple and then a stone at the very bottom saying, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this church. I don't, you know, preacher's no good. He didn't know what he's talking about half the time. All right, the worship's dumb. They lift their hands. They look weird. And I'm, I'm going to pull out of here. <laughs> I'm going to go find another church. All right, I'm going to go look. You know, this, somebody that says that, by the way, is sees the, the church is just an institution. I can hop here. I can go over there. I can go over there. And you know what? God said, no, this is my kingdom here on earth. I'm trying to build my church, and I can't be dealing with blocks that are constantly moving to and fro and being tossed by... No, no, no. I need to build solid, and I need some stability in the blocks that I'm using to build my church. And I want to ask you, 
Are you solid? Are you willing to stick it out and say, you know what? This is where God's put me. This is where I'm going to be. Because a dressed stone, this thing, these things were heavy. They couldn't be moved very easy. But anything can be moved if you want to. <laughs> you can move it if you want to. God expects stability in the kingdom of heaven. He expects you to be stable in the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? In church, we don't come just sit here. We come to serve. All right? You say, well, I don't know what to do. Find a need and fill it. Be a spiritual entrepreneur. All right? Find a need and go fill it. Go do something for somebody. You know, John's out in the, in the fracking, uh, wherever you're at, in Hobbs, New Mexico. All right? You know what? He's got his cowboy church hat on. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to find somebody and tell them about Jesus. I'm going to serve wherever I'm at. I'm going to find a place and I'm going to serve and meet a need, whatever it is. It can be physical, spiritual, whatever. I'm going to serve a need. So, kingdom of heaven, this, the gathering of believers, this is the kingdom of heaven we see here on earth. And we've said that many times. But what are the effects? What are the effects and what's the cause of instability as we finish up here? What are the effects? Look at this. This, this blew my mind as I was studying this myself. 2 Peter 2.14 says, With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. What's the effect? What's the effect of being unstable or instable? You can be seduced pretty easily. You can be, what, is it, what does it mean to be seduced? That means kind of tempted off the, right, off the right path and just creamed. I mean, you get off the right path and the devil just knocks you over the head with a temptation and you could be reeling for years after something like that happens. If you want to be stable, excuse me, if you don't want to be seduced in life, remain stable. Remain on the rock, Jesus Christ. Don't get off the path. Set your course and don't let yourself be talked off the course, all right? So anybody that is unstable is easily seduced. And I could tell you story after story, and some of them my own stories, of people who were seduced because they weren't stable. They weren't firm in their faith, all right? Um, this word unstable is translated in several different words, but here's a couple of synonyms, if you will. Senseless. An unstable person is senseless. What does that mean? Ignorant, dumb, stupid. <laughs> they, they don't pay attention. They're unwise. They're senseless. All right? Here's another word that's translated um, unstable, reckless. Somebody who's unstable is reckless. Why? They don't calculate what they're about to do. They do it, and then they pay for it because they didn't calculate the cost of what they were about to do. And here's another one, aimless wandering. Aimless wandering. <laughs> Someone who's unstable just wonders. And, and uh, with Teen Challenge, there's a couple of guys that quit, quit the, the drug rehab program, Teen Challenge. They walked out, and as I came across them on the street, because I went looking for them, what were they doing? They were wandering aimlessly. And I asked one of them, his name was Sean. I said, Sean, what are you doing, man? You, you're there four months. Why did you quit? And uh, I said, do you have a plan? He said, no, I don't have a plan. Didn't have a plan. What are you going to do if you don't have a plan? You, you can't wander aimlessly through life. You've got to get a purpose, and you've got to stick with that purpose. Here's another, here's another uh, effect of instability. 
this is talking about, uh, Peter is talking about Paul, and he says he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them at, in, in these manners. His, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. Unstable people will distort the truth easily. And it, furthermore, it says uh, uh, in, in another scripture I'll read to you, they don't know they're doing it. <laughs> So often we distort the truth, and we didn't even know we distorted it, all right? But we distort the truth if we're unstable. Now, just a couple of final verses here. In Proverbs 5.1, and then I'm going to skip to Proverbs 5.6, it, it speaks of the cause of instability, and this is the most important part of the whole sermon, so listen carefully to this. 5.1 and 5.6 of Proverbs, this is King Solomon writing this. He says, my son... Pay attention to my wisdom. <laughs> Just pay attention. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. The Bible says that wisdom screams at every street corner. God's yelling at us, but we're so closed, you know, plugged, and we can't hear. We don't want to hear God. We don't want to see God. All right? He says, pay attention. Now, in verse 6, it says, uh, it says what happens when you don't pay attention to God. This is, this is what causes instability right here. She does not, and don't get caught up on the gender here, she does not ponder the way of life. Her ways are unstable, and she does not know it. <laughs> so the person that doesn't pay attention to God is unstable in all his or her ways. All right. If you don't pay attention to God, if you don't give time to listen to God, you're going to be unstable. And there's, let me tell you, there's four sources of godly wisdom. All right? Listen really carefully. There's four sources of, of godly wisdom. The first one, God speaks directly into your heart. Have you ever heard from God before? I would venture to guess. I talked to the most crusty Vietnam vet that didn't believe in God, and he one day he confided me. He said, God spoke to me. All right? We have all heard from God in our hearts, probably not with our physical ears, maybe through a dream, through a vision, through something that was, was spoken into our hearts. So the first source, well, not the one source from, for godly wisdom is when God speaks directly in your heart. Listen to this. Number two, he confirms it from those that are closest around you. All right? I had the intention of leaving the last church that I went to. Uh, Tina and I went to that church for almost 20 years, and I sensed in my heart that it was time to leave. So prayerfully, over the course of 12 months, I prayed about leaving that church. I didn't just get up and leave. And then even after that, I looked at my family, and they were ingrained in that church. If I would have yanked them out of that church, there would have been some problems, familial problems, family problems, all right? And so you know what? I looked at those closest around me, and I said, I know I need to leave, but it must not be time yet. It must be premature. And so it was another nine or ten months before they got to the place where they were ready to leave, and then we left all together. You see what I mean? So wisdom comes from God speaking to your heart. Then you look at those around you, your family, and you say, if I leave, what's going to happen to my family? Is there going to be problems here, all right? So that's the second source of wisdom. The third source of wisdom is seeking godly wisdom from two or three really godly people that you trust, that you know they're going to shoot with you straight. They're going to tell you the, 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 what they really think, all right? And so you get that. 
Two or three godly people giving you wisdom, listen to them. And then the fourth thing is it better line up with the word of God. <laughs> if you're doing something and the Bible says not to do something, you're, you're already on the wrong track. You're going the wrong direction. Do what the Bible says to do. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a lady who told Tina and I once, you know what? Um, we're going to be suing our church. I said, you're going to sue your church? Well, what happened? I can't remember what the deal was. They were upset about something. And I said, well, have you ever read the Bible? <laughs> She's well-versed in the Bible. I said, you know the Bible says not to sue believers, right? Yeah, but you know what? This is what we're going to do. Well, there, you know, what you're doing and what the Bible is telling you to do is two different things. And so you, four things. Let me tell you again. You hear it in your spirit. You hear it from God, not just once, but over and over again. All right, you confirm it by those that are closest to you. How is it going to affect them? I'll never forget this, this lady. She told me, you know what God told me? I said, what did God tell you? <laughs> she said, uh, God told me I can either have a ministry for him uh, and get divorced, or I can stay with my husband and not have a ministry. I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're completely lost it. God didn't tell you that you got to take the word of God and see if it's confirmed. God wants your family to stay together. God never, ever says, here, do you want ministry or divorce? He never tells you that. That's not God talking to you. God, the, the fundamental thing of our lives, all right, is the family. And God doesn't break up families so that you can have a ministry. Guaranteed. All right, let's move on. Uh, I keep saying I'm almost done, and I am. Uh, Zephaniah. 3 verse 4, and I'm reading this out of order because I'm going to skip back to verse 2, all right? It says, her prophets are unstable. Her prophets are unstable. Did you know that godly men and women can be very unstable themselves? <laughs> I've met a lot of them. I've been one myself, all right? Godly men and women can be unstable. So be careful just because someone comes up and gives you a prophecy or someone gives you some wisdom that doesn't mean they're God. <laughs> Only God is God, all right? So prophets, even prophets could be unstable. But why were her prophets, this is Israel's prophets, unstable? All right, here it says it in verse 2. If you skip up the two verses, it says, she obeys no one. There's number one reason why people are unstable. They refuse to obey anyone. Not God, but not even man, all right? In a marriage, a woman needs to obey her husband. But her husband better love the woman. And they better be in partnership with one, one with another. But a spouse who says, let's say I to my wife, she tells me to do something. I say, I'm not going to do it, Tina. You go do it. All right? And she tells, anytime she tells me to do something, it just ruffles my feathers and I get a chip on my shoulder. You know what? I'm going to become an unstable person. There needs to be a level of obedience. I need to find someone who I'm willing to obey. All of us obey someone, all right? We need to be willing. But when someone says, I obey nobody, that's lawlessness. And there is the, the core root of instability. Secondly, it says she accepts no correction. She's not teachable. She's not coachable. And again, this is Israel, talking about the, the nation of Israel. She does not trust the Lord, well, that's basic, fundamental. If you don't trust God, you are going to be unstable. And lastly, she does not draw near to her God. Anybody who doesn't draw near to God is going to live an unstable life. 
So Ephesians 4, 11, last scripture, all right? Verse 11, going through verse 15, 14, excuse me, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Here's the scripture, though. That we should no longer be children, listen to this, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Let me tell you what, if you want to reach a level of stability, mature in Christ. Grow up in God. The Bible says to grow in the knowledge and in the grace of God. Grow up in it. How do you grow in God? Read your Bible. Read your Bible, study it, practice it, meditate on it. Come on Wednesday night and talk about it. Do what it takes to grow up in Christ. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray.